السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا وسيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome back to another class with Quranic progression inshallah ta'ala today we're going to continue with our tafsir of Surah Al-Ghashiyah but before we do I have one important announcement and that is that inshallah ta'ala from next week we're going to be changing the time slightly so we're going to beginning we're going to be holding the class or beginning at 8 p.m. UK time so we're going back essentially half an hour so inshallah ta'ala from next week that's next Tuesday onwards you know, up until, uh, because for those of us in the UK, in a couple of weeks, our clocks are going back anyway uh, into into winter time. Um, we, so yeah, so everything's kind of changing in terms of salahs and, and so on. And so inshallah from next week onwards, from 8 p.m. inshallah ta'ala, 8 p.m. UK time. And inshallah, uh, for those you know, that aren't here, or for those that uh, don't catch the class, inshallah, we'll put that up onto the Telegram groups. But if I forget or if it's not put up, if someone could please kindly do so, especially on the chat group, just uh, so everyone knows that inshallah ta'ala from next week, the class will begin at 8 p.m. UK time bin Allah ta'ala. <coughs> so last week we uh, we were discussing a number of verses in Surah Al-Ghashiyah and essentially we'd, uh, we'd uh, spoken or we'd started on the section or the passage of the surah which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about the people of Jannah and about the reward and the blessings that they will receive on, on the Day of Judgment and the reward that they will have in Jannah. And we mentioned last week that the you know that this surah is a beautiful surah in terms of uh, what the Arabs call in, in, in the science of Arabic language or in uh, the eloquence of Arabic language, it is called Ilmul Bayan. It is a surah which gives a vivid imagery, it gives a vivid picture of what it is to attain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure and his mercy and his reward but at the same time also what it means to incur Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger and his wrath and the surah began as we mentioned in the last few weeks it begins with the punishment of the people of the fire and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned snippets of the different types of things that those people will face and what they can expect in terms of punishment on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and the imagery that is given, the vivid descriptions, the images that come to mind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes is something that we uh, we covered uh, over the last few weeks. Last week we focused on uh, the next part of the surah which is now the reward of the people of Jannah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that just as there are people, there are faces that will be humbled, uh, that will be downcast because of the punishment that they will face, then likewise they will be faces and people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will honor and they will be blessed, and they will be happy, and they will be joyous because of the reward that they can uh, expect. And one of the beauties of this, uh, this verse and, and this imagery that we're given is that one of the things that the believer looks forward to, uh, you know, just as you do in the dunya, when you know, for example, that you have a new job coming up that you are very much looking forward to, or for example, you have a promotion coming up that you're going to, you know, maybe receive a, an increase in your wages, something that you're looking forward to, 
for example, someone's going to get married, so they have a date set in terms of their nikah and their walima and so on. That's something which they're looking forward to. Or sometimes it's a holiday, you know, that you're going to go traveling, going to go for umrah, going to go for hajj, go and visit family and whatever. And it's a date in your diary. It may well be six months away, a year away, two years away, but it's something which you anticipate. And when you think about it and you focus on it, it is something which you look forward to and you aspire towards. Imagine now for the people of Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them that the people of Jannah, this is what you have to look forward to. And so for the believers, when they read these verses and they come across these surahs, and as we uh, think we mentioned before, you know, uh, this surah is a surah that is repeated by the Imam. It is the sunnah recited uh, in some of the major salawat and the most, uh, you know, the, the salawat where it's highly recommended and sometimes obligatory for people to attend. So for example, the Jumu'ah, you know, for men it's an obligation. For the Eid prayer, for example, that is something which is, you know, depending on which madhab uh, you go with, either it is an obligation or it is a recommendation or it is a communal obligation. And so either way, it is something which is highly encouraged at the very least. For the Jumu'ah, as we know, is one of the most obligatory salawat in terms of its, uh, you know, its emphasis in the Sharia. These salawat, this is one of the surahs that is often being recited, Surah Al-Ghashiyah. And if we just stop and ponder, it is something which aspi- makes you aspire towards the Akhirah. When you stop and you reflect and you contemplate, it makes you think about what it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for the people of Jannah. And so even the person who in this life, who just, just as, as we mentioned, the example of, of people in this life who have a difficult time, they're, you know, they're struggling, it's hard. Like the days that we're going through now where there's many people that are struggling financially, many people that are struggling with you know, the costs of fuel and the costs of energy and, and all of these things. Are there. But when they have something to look forward to, or when you think ahead two, three years, and there's something which you have earmarked or something which you've planned and something, you know, it's a milestone, it's something big, even that thought of just focusing on it for a few minutes, for a few, uh, you know, for a few moments, it makes you anticipate, it makes you, it inspires you, it motivates you, it gives you a level of happiness and joy that you're working towards something. This is what the believer does. The believer is someone who even in the most difficult times in this dunya knows that it is temporary and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for them all of these different rewards that we were mentioning last week and that inshallah ta'ala we will continue to mention today. Those are all things that Allah Azza wa Jalla has prepared for the mu'mineen, for the believers on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so when you hear these verses being recited or you're reciting them themselves, you should stop and ponder and contemplate. And it should give you a level of solace and contentment, a level of you know, aspiring towards something which is which is far better and far greater than anything possible in this dunya. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there will be people on that day that will be joyous to be in that place. And this is these are the people who on Yawm Al-Qiyamah are joyous even before they enter into Jannah, even when they're standing upon the land of gathering because they know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them an easy accounting. They know that Allah Azza wa Jal has favored them on that day and showed His mercy and forgiveness and blessings upon them on that day, that they will have a level of sakina, a level of solace, a level of contentment, that inshallah ta'ala will lead them to uh, the gates of Jannah. And so you anticipate, you look forward to, you know, all of the hard work that you've done, these are now your rewards, and this is now your compensation for that. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, as we mentioned last week, لِسَعِيهَا radiya. They're pleased with the efforts that they put forth. The journey, the, the, the hardship, the, the travel, the, everything that they had to do in order to reach that point on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, that's something which they greatly are now pleased with because they know that they didn't waste their time. 
They know that those efforts weren't in waste. They know that they didn't just, you know, skimp and and, and what they did what they could to the best of their ability, and the rest is the bounty of Allah Azza wa Jal and His mercy. And that is why you find amongst the, the salaf of this ummah, the, the scholars of the past and those early generations, that every moment, every opportunity, they would work towards coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why the famous statement of Imam Ahmad ta'ala, when he was asked, uh, when does a person, when does the believer rest? He said when he places his right foot into Jannah. That is when the believer rests. Up until that time, you work and you worship Allah and you try your best to accumulate as many good deeds as is possible. And it was the case that a number of the scholars of the past, and there is a story of this, like of many of the scholars or a number of the scholars of the Salaf from amongst them, is one of the major scholars of Tafsir, Al-Imam Al-Tabari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, it is said that some of them during their final days or in their final moments or on their deathbed, such as Al-Imam Al-Tabari, in his final day, someone came in and he mentioned to him a... Um, he mentioned to him an issue, a point of benefit concerning tafsir. So he asked someone to bring him some paper so that he could write it down. And he's on his deathbed. Can't even get up himself and move in order to be able to bring pen and paper. But he asks for it to be brought. So someone said to him, even in this state, O Abu Ja'far, even in this state, this is what you're going to do. He said to him in reply, he said, for me to meet Allah Azza wa Jal, knowing, having knowledge of this issue, is more beloved to me or is better for me than to meet Allah Azza wa Jal being ignorant of this issue. To meet Allah having knowledge of this issue is better than to meet Allah being ignorant of that issue. And that is an amazing statement because he is looking towards, you know, not, not even like, it's not even the fact that he can now write it down in order to put it into a book or teach it to someone else. Or It's for his own personal knowledge and that is what knowledge always is first and foremost. is for yourself to benefit from, to increase in Iman and to come closer to Allah Azza wa Jal, to gain a deep understanding of the religion. He said, for me to meet Allah Azza wa Jal, having performed this act of worship, which is to seek knowledge, to record it, to write it, to understand it, to memorize it, it is more beloved to me than that I should meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, being ignorant of this issue. And so this is the mindset that the believer has. And for those people, Allah says that they will have the most lofty of gardens, the most elevated of gardens in Jannah, fi jannatin aliyah. And it is a place in which they will not be disturbed, nor will they hear any vain speech. La tasma'u fiha laghiyah. There will be nothing in there that is vain speech or evil speech or foul speech. No sound that will disturb them or make them agitated or disturb their peace. But it is something which is only full of serenity and peace and happiness and joy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then in verse number 12, so we, we continue with verse number 12 of Surah Al-Ghashiyah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, فِيهَا عَيْنٌ With a flowing spring. And that is the translation of uh, Professor Abdul Halim. Uh, in Sahih International, within it is a flowing spring, Mufti Taqi, in there, in it there is a flowing spring, and Muhsin Khan, therein will be a running spring, flowing, running, pretty much the same in terms of its meaning. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning the, uh, and Allah has already mentioned, as, as we've, we stated last week, a number of the blessings and rewards of the people of Jannah, and this is a continuation of those rewards and blessings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فِيهَا عَيْنٌ جَارِيَةٌ فِيهَا عَيْنٌ جَارِيَةٌ 
And this is in juxtaposition, as we mentioned last week, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning now the same things or the, the, the rewards of Jannah, the people of Jannah, in opposition to the punishments of the people of the fire. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, when Allah Azza was describing the punishment of the people of the fire, He said concerning their food or their drink, He said, Tusqa min aynin aniya. They will be made to drink from a boiling spring. That is what they will be made to drink from. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now says concerning the people of Jannah, Fiha aynun jariya. As for the people of Jannah, they will have a flowing spring. And it is... Uh, therefore, if it is a spring that is flowing or it is constantly running, it has a number of meanings. If we if we look at this again from a uh, you know from from like a ilmul bayan point of view, from just like the imagery that is being mentioned here and the descriptions that are being given uh, of jannah, something which is constantly flowing means that there is no end to it. That it's not a spring that will run dry. It's not something which you have to uh, you know which you have to come and you have to. Uh, worry about it finishing or not there be they're not being enough for the people of Jannah or in any way it diminishes in terms of the water that it gives and also the fact that it is free flowing gives the impression or it gives the the connotation of it being pure because something which is constantly flowing and running it is something which purifies itself and that is why the waters generally the sea water the ocean water is considered to be pure as the prophet said sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he was asked about the water of the sea and the ocean he said its water is purifying and that is because it is constantly running and because it's constantly running and moving you know even if someone was for an example to go to the shore of a sea or the ocean or whatever and they were to akramakumullah urinate in it it doesn't make the whole of the sea and the ocean impure. In fact, even that place where they urinated after a while, because the water's running and it's constantly cleaning itself, that place would be pure. If someone came a day later and they came and they didn't know someone urinated and they found that water to be clear, clean water, it would be permissible for them to make wudu from that water because it is something which gives the impression, therefore, that flowing nature of it is that it is something which is always pure. And we've mentioned before, I'm, I'm pretty sure, when we were speaking about the rivers of Jannah, and the water of Jannah is that it is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has mentioned and it is mentioned or it is mentioned anyway by the scholars of Islam and the scholars of tafsir that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the the uh, the springs of Jannah and the rivers of Jannah then the rivers of Jannah and the springs of Jannah they run without there being trenches so it's not like the rivers of the world a river of the world you have a river bank and a river bank on either side and there is essentially a deep trench that has you know, naturally formed. And that natural formation is where the water then runs. So you don't have water running on top of the ground. Nor do you have water that isn't banked on either side. Otherwise the water, as we see you know, when there's heavy rains and so on, that's where you get flooding. When the water level rises, breaks its banks, and that all of a sudden you have flooding. But the rivers of Jannah have no banks. They run in their specific uh, you know, as Ibn Qayyim Ta'ala mentions in his Nuniya, they run without any type of uh, any type of banks, uh, you know, like narrowing them down or or directing them. But at the same time, they run in the way that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala commanded. They don't overflow, they don't flood, they don't you know become a a problem or a destruction for others. And this is the way that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has created them. And the word Ain. فِيهَا عَيْنٌ جَارِيَةٌ The spring, the singular is used to mean the plural. 
as is very common in Arabic language. And that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to all of the springs of Jannah for more of the different types of drinks that they will contain. And so Allah Azzawajal says there are free-flowing springs within, within Jannah. And so the singular is used often in the Arabic language to show that this is, you know, this is not referring to one specific spring, but to the general concept of springs. It is in there there is free-flowing or free-running springs of different types of drink. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned this in his tafsir. He said that they will be running. That they will be running. And he says that this is a nakira fi siyaq al-ithbat. That Allah Azza mentions the general clause, which is Ain. He doesn't use the, the specific Al to specify it. And it is to show that there are many. And nor does the meaning of the word spring, Ain, mean that it is only once, but rather it refers to the whole, you know, like topic or the whole concept of there being many free flowing and running springs. So again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He juxtaposes this with what the people of the fire will find, the people of the fire will be there. And they will become extremely thirsty. And when they will be made to drink, the water will be boiling. But we know from elsewhere in the Quran that that water is not only boiling, it is from impurities. It is taken from the pus and the excrement of those people of, of the hellfire. And that liquid that is extracted from them, that comes from them, that in itself becomes boiled. And that in itself is something which the people of the fire are then made to drink. And it is what, what is used upon them. And so that is the way of the people of the fire. As for the people of Jannah, no, what they have is extremely pure. What they have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purified it for them. What they have, the people of Jannah, it is something which is pure. It is something which is always present. It is something which is free-flowing. It is something which is always available. It is abundant in its source. And so therefore the people of Jannah can come and they can drink from it as they wish, when they wish and how they wish. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to verse number 13 and he says subhanahu wa ta'ala this is now where we have extra descriptions so we said you know last uh, last week or the week before that Allah azawajal gives us a number of descriptions of the people of the fire and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention similar descriptions but they reverse the opposite of them for the people of Jannah so if Allah azawajal speaks about the faces and the demeanor of the people of Jannah of the hellfire he speaks about the faces and demeanor of the people of of Jannah. If Allah Azza tells us the way that the people of the fire will be feeding and what they will experience, then likewise Allah Azza says the same for the people of Jannah. If Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us about the abode of the people of the fire, then we have the abode of the people of Jannah. If Allah Azza tells us about the food or the drink of the people of the fire, then as we've seen now, we have the food and the drink of the people of of Jannah. But now Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the in the next four or so verses, Allah Azza will give us more descriptions of the people of Jannah that you don't find about the people of the fire. And because the people of the fire, as we said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negates from them any sense of comfort, any notion of comfort, anything which would bring them any relief or respite or even a moment's worth of comfort, Allah azawajal negates it from them. Now what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does in the next four verses, verses 13, 14, 15, 16 of Surah Al-Ghashiyah, Allah azawajal mentions to us the comforts that the people of Jannah will receive. And this is from the beauty of the surah, and again from the imagery, the ilmul bayan that is used in this surah, that we have within it. Uh, we have now extra descriptions. Those descriptions, in and of themselves, some of them, you know, are, are some of them are similar, uh, either to what has passed 
meaning in previous verses of this surah for the description of the people of Jannah, or even amongst themselves they are similar. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one thing that, 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 that is, that is uh, the common theme or the thing that connects all of these next four verses is that each one of them and all of them speak towards the comfort of the people of Jannah, that they will be in eternal bliss, they will be in comfort, they will be in joy and in happiness. They will not have to work for anything, nor will they feel tired, nor do they need to sleep, nor do they become sick, nor will they die. All of those things that are from the very nature, by their very nature in the dunya, they are difficult and hard. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negates that hardship, negates that challenge, negates that difficulty from the people of Jannah. All they have is comfort. Now me and you, you know, we know that if you've had a difficult week, or you've had a difficult month, or you've had a difficult year, and then all of a sudden you get that break, you get that holiday. Sometimes it may just even be in your own house, you just have nothing to do for a day and you're completely alone. You can sleep when you want, wake up when you want, relax how you want. There's no obligations, no responsibilities, no uh, chores to do, nothing to do. And looking forward to that respite, that rest, how much it rejuvenates and how it makes a person feel and what they feel even looking towards it and, and, and anticipating when that day and when that moment will come. For the people of Jannah, their whole life is one of comfort. Their whole life is one of bless, bliss and ease. Because the nature of the dunya is that even if your life is one of bliss and ease in general, there will be undoubtedly moments of hardship, moments of trial, moments of sickness, moments of disease, moments of fatigue, whatever it may be, those come to you. And even if you enjoy the time that you have of comfort, then that comfort will soon come to an end. It's a day and the day finishes. It's a week, the week finishes. You go on a holiday, it's a month, the month finishes. Sooner or later, that period of ease and comfort finishes and then you return back to the toil of the dunya. But the people of Jannah, for them, it is all comfort. For them, it is all bliss and there is nothing else. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 13, He says subhanahu wa ta'ala, فِيهَا سُرُرٌ مَرْفُوعًا Therein there will be raised couches. Uh, or Sahih International says, within it are couches raised high. Mufti Taqi, in it there are elevated couches. And Muhsin Khan, therein will be thrones raised high. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says from the blessings and the reward of the people of Jannah is that they will be given surur. And the word surur is the plural of the word sarir. The word sarir. And the word sarir now in, in common Arabic language, it means bed. So if you say to someone, you know, what's a sarir, translate it for me from Arabic into English, or you put it into Google Translate, one of these like apps or whatever, then the most likely I assume that the word that you will receive is bed. However, the meaning here isn't bed. So when Allah just says that they will be in surur marfu'ah, he doesn't mean raised or elevated beds. So as you can see from all of the translations, rather the translations that you often get is couch or maybe throne. And the, the reason why a sarir is called a sarir now in Arabic, we call it to be a bed, is because of the type of couch that it's referring to. It's referring to the type of couch because even now, I mean, you have different types of couches, right? You have different types of, of seating types of type of couches. So you have one which is basically almost like a chair in the sense that you can just sit on it, it's pretty much, you know, it's comfortable, but it's something which you just sit on. 
But in the olden times, and sometimes you'll see this in like, uh, you know, they, they sometimes they display this in the old Roman Empire or maybe even in the in the Greek Empire before the ancient, ancient Greece or in the Egyptian Empire with the pharaohs and so on. The couch that is being referred to, the siri that is being referred to is the couch that is extended. It is elongated in the sense that you can recline on it. So you can put your feet up and you can relax. So it's not a bed, it's not a place where you would normally go to sleep. But it is a place where you will rest because, as we said before, the reason why it's not called a bed or, uh, you know, the, 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 the meaning here is not a bed because the people of Jannah need no sleep. They don't need sleep because sleep is a sign of weakness. You're tired and you're, you know, you're fatigued or you're sick and you need to sleep in order to rejuvenate yourself. The people of Jannah don't need to sleep. And so rather what they have is this extended couch, which is extremely comfortable, upon which they can recline. They can rest, they can relax, and that is their general way of being in terms of their seating and in terms of their uh, of their sitting. Uh, Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu, the famous companion, he said uh, concerning this, he said, Sururum marfu'ah. He said that the raised couches, it will be as if those couches are in ranks, some of them above others, meaning the higher your station then the higher your couch. As we mentioned before, uh, Allah Azza wa when He said, Fi jannatin in the verse that we mentioned last week, we said that elevation is something which people covet, especially in terms of their comfort. Right? So when you want to relax and you want to, you know, whatever, one of the things that you really like to do is have a nice view. And that is why people pay more for the penthouse and for the upper floors of skyscrapers and tall buildings. It's why people will go and they will ask for a, a nice view in terms of the hotel room that they have. So if you have a view and it's an elevated view, and the reason why it's elevated is because it gives you a, a more aerial view of what it is that you're looking upon. So if you're on ground level view, you only see what's in front of you. It's difficult to get the scope of something. But if you look from above and the higher you go, the more of a vantage point that you have that you can see more of what it is that is pleasing to you. So likewise, Allah has made Jannah elevated. It is already high. But within it, there are also levels, as we know. And for the people of Jannah, they will have sururum marfu'ah, raised, elevated couches. The higher your station, the higher and the more elevated your couch is. Now, when you're sitting on that couch and you see everything in Jannah, you see when you see everything from all of the blessings that Allah Azza has prepared for you, from the palaces, from the trees, from the birds, from the fruit, from the rivers, from the 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 the, the, the soil, from everything that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has placed within Jannah, and so Allah Azza blesses those people and He honors them, and it is the height of of comfort to be in that type of location, meaning even if it was in this dunya, that type of location with that type of comfort will be considered to be something which is which is really good right and and people like to sit in a comfortable position and one of the most comfortable positions you know when people are lounging when people are trying to relax is to be able to raise up your feet now if you have a normal couch or you have like an armchair maybe comfortable but you can't raise your feet you can't extend your feet maybe you can put your feet under yourself and sit on that couch but in terms of extending your feet and having your feet out in front of you unless you have one of those uh, you know one of those uh, extendable extendable couches or you have uh, you have one of those uh, you know f- footstools or something you can't really do it in every location the more leg room that you have and the more that you're able to extend your legs it is considered to be a sign of comfort so for example look at aeroplanes the difference or one of the major differences between an economy class seat 
and business class. And first class is what? It's the space that you have around you, the ability to stretch out and to raise your legs. If you look at some of these, uh, you know, cars that you have now, right? These like executive cars or, or these chauffeur type of cars, a limousine, but even some of these Mercedes and so on. One of the things that you'll see in the back is that they allow their, their people or their customers uh, or you know the people that are riding in the back to extend their legs they give them more foot space you can actually press a button in some of these cars and the passenger seat if there's no one on there will go forward it will actually move right to the front so you have this extendable uh, area for your legs and so on. that is the way that people love to relax and it's something which you will find across the board Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that for the people of uh, Jannah they will have these types of couches and clearly, you know, the, the, the comfort and the luxury is far greater than anything within this dunya. And that is why uh, Ibn Juraj, uh, Abdul Malik ibn Abdul Aziz ibn Juraj, from the famous ulama of Mecca, uh, from the contemporaries of Imam Malik, he said, These couches will be raised. So those people, when they rest upon it, or they sit upon it, or they relax upon them, they will have the vantage point and they will have the view of looking out towards Jannah. Al-Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, sarir, that it is the plural of the word sarir, and they are raised, because when the person sits upon it, when the believer sits upon those couches, he says that they will see before them everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for them in terms of blessing and in terms of kingdom, meaning everything that Allah has given them to possess in Jannah, that is like their mini kingdom. It's like their mini uh, you know, it's like their mini country or the place that they own. And Allah Azza wa allows them to look at all of their holdings, all of that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to them. And that is something which those people will, will, will see. And he said also that some of the scholars said that it means some of them are above others. Uh, and Allah Azza wa knows best. And we mentioned that before as being one of the statements of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu uh, anhumah. Um... Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that this verse shows to us one of the beauties of Jannah. And that from the beauties of Jannah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now describing to us the furniture of Jannah. The furniture within Jannah. And the things that people will be able to use and relax upon and so on in terms of, of, of Jannah. Uh, it is a hallmark of luxury. Right? It is a hallmark of luxury. Uh, the more that you have in terms of the comfort of the furniture that you possess. The nicer that furniture is, the more comfortable it is, the better made that it is, and so on and so forth. That is a hallmark of luxury and of comfort. And, you know, now, like, it's very common for people to have nice furniture in the house, even if they're not necessarily very wealthy and, and, and so on, because it's just the way that the world has become. But if you were to look a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, a few hundred years ago, it was only the nobility that had those types of seating arrangements or those types of, 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 of seats available to them. The average person probably had a wooden chair or a stool or more likely that they sat on the floor. They didn't have anything. They would have a mat maybe that they would sit upon and so on. That's all that they had. Even in the time of the Prophet Wasallam, if you look at what it is that they had, that's what they used to sit upon. Right? There's a hadith of, um, I believe it's of Anas ibn Malik in Sahih al-Bukhari when, uh, when he said that the Prophet Wasallam never ate upon a table, meaning they didn't have tables, right? For us to have a dining table in our homes, you know, to go to a restaurant and sit on a table, it is more comfortable and it is easier for you to eat. 
And so a dining table is a very common thing. He said the Prophet never ate on a table. They said, oh Anas, what did he eat upon then? He said upon a sufra. They will lay out those little mats and you put the food on the mat on the floor and that's what you sit on. Uh, you know, those like little straw reed mats that they have. You put the food on there and that's what you eat upon. That's what they used to use. And so even in the time of the Prophet wasallam, the companions didn't have these luxuries of uh, couches and beds and, and we know a number of hadith where the Prophet is lying down on upon a reed mat or he has a very you know a very uh, basic pillow and a very basic it's very very simple and so it is a sign of luxury the more that you have it is a hallmark of luxury in terms of the types of furniture and the quality of that furniture and the comfort of that furniture and that is why Ibn Ashur ta'ala, says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show to you the level of the comfort of Jannah Allah Azza is speaking about the furniture now normally, usually speaking, if someone has spent time and effort in the furniture, it means that everything else is, is, is very nice. It's, you don't have to worry about it because that's the last thing that people do in their homes. The first thing that you've got to look for is, is the walls and the painting and, and, and everything else that you do. And then you look at and you focus on those finishing touches. So Ibn Ashur ta'ala, is saying that Allah is telling us about the furniture in Jannah the vessels in Jannah, the utensils in Jannah, these types of things so that you can understand through that that the rest of Jannah is amazing. Because if you go to a place and they focus so much on the spoon that you hold, upon the cup that you drink from, upon the plate that you're served on, if they are focusing to that level on those issues, then most likely everything else is already of a high standard. It doesn't require you to go into anything else. But sometimes you go to an establishment, it looks very nice and whatever, but the cutlery they give you is dirty, right? The, the spoons that they give you or the plates that they give you are chipped and so on. And it shows to you that that care, that level of, of detail and attention to detail hasn't been carried through all that way. And Allah knows best. And that is why in the next verse in Surah, uh, in Surah Al-Ghashiya, verse number 14, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then moves on from furniture. He moves on subhanahu wa ta'ala to the utensils that, they, that will be used or the cutlery that will be given. And he gives an example of it by saying, they will have goblets placed before them. And that is the translation of Professor Abdul Hanim. Uh, Sahih International and cups put in place. Mufti Taqi and goblets well placed. And Muhsin Khan and cups set at hand. Uh, the word kub, akwab right, is a plural. And the singular of it is kub. The singular of it is kub. There is there are two um, there are two words that are used in the Quran to refer to drinking utensils when it comes to the people of Jannah. The first of them is kub. Actually, there's more than two. There's more than two, but uh, the two that we'll mention is kub, or it's plural, which is akwab, as you have here, and the other one is abariq. Abariq. Abariq wa ka'sim min ma'in. Abariq ka'sim is another one and so on. And Allah Azza wa Jal says here, it is kub. It is kub. At-Tabari, Imam At-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, akwab, it is the plural of the word kub. Wahiya al-abariq allati la'adhana laha. The difference between the two, uh, and, and someone who also mentioned the difference between the two is Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir. He says, "Alibriqu huwa malahu urwatun wa khurtum, al-kub inau leesa lahu urwatun wa khurtum." He says the difference between an ibriq and between a kub 
in the Arabic language is that the ibriq is the vessel or the utensil, the drinking utensil that has a stem to it. That has a stem to it, and uh, and that is basically what you what you use in terms of a a kub, uh, sorry, uh, an ibriq. As for the kub, it's the one that doesn't have a ut- doesn't have a stem to it. Doesn't have a neck or a stem to it. And so there are different types of glasses, right? Even as you as you know today, there are cups or, or cups that we have. We have uh, glasses, right, which is a normal a normal glass to drink from. And then you have a type of glass that has a stem, right, which is you know most likely you probably see them today in wine glasses and so on, where they have a stem. And then you have the glass itself. Okay, so in this uh, the kub is the one that doesn't have the stem. And the Ibriq is the one that does have the stem. That is the difference between the two. And Allah affirms all of them for the people of Jannah. He says they will have this and they will have that. And so Imam Al-Tabari, going back to his statement, he says, This is also the statement of, or the position of, or the tafsir rather of, uh, uh, the difference between the two. And then he says, Allah says that they are mawdu'a, right? which means that they are placed before them or placed at hand. The word mawdu' or wada'a means to put something down, right? Something down. So when you say da'hada, it means put it down, put this down, da' place. And so mawdu' is something, or the word wada'a means something which is placed down at ground level. And uh, so basically, Allah is saying that they will have these goblets, these cups placed before them, meaning that they are close to the drink or that they are full of the drink that they want. So either they are close to these running rivers and, and springs that we mentioned a couple of verses ago, and so therefore they are close at hand for you to be able to go and just simply take from that water or take from that drink and, and uh, or take from whatever that drink is and drink from it, or you will always find them full next to you. They will always be full. So that is why he says, Imam Al-Tabari says that they will find these cups always placed by, the, by, the, by these springs and by these rivers. Every time they wish to drink, they will find that the cup is full of the drink that they wish for. Every time they want to drink, it will be full of the drink that they want to have. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, if you look at this and you look at the uh, the previous verse, so the previous verse, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Fiha marfu'ah." They will be within Jannah, couches that are elevated and raised high, meaning that they are high up, right? But when it comes to the rivers and the springs, they're obviously not high up; they are on the ground. And when it comes to drinking from them, the cups will be placed close by at hand for them to be able to take without having to get up, without having to go close, without whatever. And we also know uh, from the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He describes the fruit of Jannah and the food of Jannah, He says, قُطُوفُهَا دَانِيَةً Its branches hang low. So meaning that when you want to eat from the fruit or pluck the fruit of the tree or whatever, you don't have to get up, you don't have to climb, you don't need to find a ladder, you don't need... It is simply for you enough to outstretch your hand and to take from it what you want. And even when you outstretch your hand, it is not a stretch that is difficult or a stretch where you have to uh, where you have to strain, but rather it is simply taking something which is close by and eating from it. And the beauty of this is, as Ibn Ashur mentions in one verse, in the previous verse, Allah speaks about the elevated couches 
And in this verse, Allah is giving us, if you like, the opposite to that. The symmetry is beautiful. Now Allah is saying these cups are low, meaning placed at hand. And this is again a sign of the comfort and the ease by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make the lives of the people of Jannah. That that which they love to be elevated, that which they love to see from an elevated point, Allah has made it elevated. So what the people of Jannah like, because it is their nature to love, to be in a high place, to be able to enjoy those things, Allah has raised them. And that which people like not to be raised up high, because it is difficult, and there is difficulty in it, and there is a strain in attaining it, Allah has placed that close at hand. And that is the beauty of Jannah. No one wants to sit on the ground floor. Everyone wants to be high up and see the beautiful vantage point of Jannah. Allah Azza wa raised the couches. But when it comes to food and drink, no one else wants to climb. Right? If you're in your house, you know, you're, you're on the ground floor and your kitchen was on the third floor, the fourth floor, and you always had to go up or down, or you're residing on the fourth floor, but your kitchen's all the way downstairs. You know, like some of us, uh, you know, in some, in, in some places, that's the case where you know, your kitchen is two floors, it's a shared communal kitchen, but you happen to be living on the third floor, that's on the ground floor. That is a difficult thing to do. Every time you want to get something, you're like, oh, I have to go all the way down, the fridge is there, the microwave's there, the cooker's there, everything is there. And for me to go up and down, it is burdensome. And so, uh, you know, I remember when we were students in Medina, this is like uh, going off on a slight side point, but we would have the kitchen, which is a communal kitchen because you're living in a dormitory. And so you have a shared room, maybe two, three, four people, depending on the size of the room. And then the communal kitchen is at the end of the hall. So it's not even on a different floor, but it's at the end of the hall. And more or less every student, what they have in their room is that they have a small fridge. Because placing your fridge there or having a communal fridge and walking back every time you want to drink, every time you want something to eat, that, you know, that's from the fridge, milk or tea, whatever, even that is difficult to get up and to go to the other side of the hall and then to come back in itself was something which you know most people found difficult or burdensome to do. Imagine now different floors. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed that which people covet to be easy and close at hand, Allah has placed that close at hand to them. And that which they covet in terms of it being high up and elevated and raised, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has raised that for them. And that is the beauty of Jannah. That everything within Jannah is comfort. Everything within Jannah is ease. And everything in Jannah is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, وَفِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِيهِ الْأَنفُسِ وَتَلَذُّ الْأَعْيُنِ In Jannah is that which the hearts desire and the, eye, and, and the eyes love to see, pleasing to the eye, and it is something desirable to the heart. And so the people of Jannah, this is their focus. This is what they want to focus upon. They don't want any difficulty, they don't want any hardship, they don't want any strain. Everything is ease, everything is comfort. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made Jannah in that way and that is from the beauty of, of paradise. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 15, He says, And they will have cushions set in rows. That is the, uh, the translation of Professor Abdul Harim in Sahih International and they will have cushions lined up and Mufti Taqi says, and they will have cushions arrayed. And Muhsin Khan, cushions set in rows. So from the comforts of the people of Jannah that Allah will give to them in Jannah is the namariq. The namariq. And namariq, as Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, it is the plural of the word numruqah. 
numruqah. And numruqah is essentially a wasaid. It's essentially cushions that you're given. And again, this is the level of detail that Allah is giving to us in the description of Jannah. Now, you have a couch or you have a bed or whatever it is that you have. When you go to a hotel or you go to somewhere else, one of the things that people look for is they look at the quality of the cushion and the pillow that they're given. It's comfort level, it's firmness level and whatever. And that is why if you go to some hotels, what they do is they give to you a card. Uh, and in the card it says, this is the pillow that we've given to you, but we have seven other pillows available. And if this one doesn't suit you, but you want one that's firm or less firm or I don't know, whatever, or you want extra ones, or whatever, let us know and we'll give them to you. And so people are very, very particular in terms of, and it actually makes a difference. It makes a difference in terms of, you know, obviously in, in, even in the dunya, it makes a difference in terms of your posture, in terms of your, you know, the neck support that you get, and in terms of the way that you sleep and so on. Some people who have chronic pains at the shoulders and back and so on, they're told to change their pillows or they're told to get set on. It makes a difference. People like it in terms of their comfort, but not only in terms of sleep, but even in terms of relaxing. You go to, you know, you find a couch or you find an armchair and you will find cushions on it and they will be of different varying levels of comfort. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and amongst the Arabs, by the way, you know, as, as many of you know, they have this uh, ground floor seating where they sit on the floor. It's a ground uh, type of seating. And that seating also is made up of, of many cushions. And so that is also a level of comfort, depending on the type of, of, of that you have, in the, the, type of, uh, the type of comfort that you have. And so again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking at a level of detail that most of us perhaps wouldn't think of. Right? When you think of Jannah, maybe the last thing that comes to your mind in Jannah and its blessings and its rewards and so on is cushions. It's the last thing that's going to come to your mind. But Allah Azza wa mentions it in the Quran. He's already mentioned it for you in the Quran. And that is for you to know that if this is the level of detail that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning, then it is something which shows to you that the rest of Jannah is amazing. I remember a while back, brings to mind there was a documentary on uh, uh, a documentary on in which they went to one of these very expensive hotels in central london the kind of hotel that costs you at the very least four to five hundred pounds a night and that's just for a basic room but if you're one of their suites or one of those like nice like plush rooms you're looking at a few thousand pounds pounds a night very very expensive hotels and they're going behind the scenes and they're looking at why is this hotel charging 500 pounds when you can get another room for like 50, 60, 70 pounds down the road. What is the difference between this one and that one? The room is the same in the sense that it's got four walls, it's got a window, it's got a door, it's got a bed. But what is the difference is the level of quality and comfort in all of the fixtures and fittings and so on. And so yes, this is a pillow and that's a pillow, but there's a, a couple hundred pounds difference between this pillow and that pillow. Yes, that's a bed and that's a bed, but the mattress here cost a few thousand pounds and that one didn't cost more than a couple hundred pounds and so on and so forth. That is the level of, and so those people are when they go and prepare those rooms, this is the level of detail that they're looking at. And so those people who are spending these thousands of pounds a single night when they come to that room, they don't need to worry about, you know, oh, the duvet or the blanket or the cushion because they know that these people have chosen for them because they're, they're paying for it anyway, that they've chosen for them the highest, most comfortable uh, you know, whatever it may be, fixtures and fittings and, and furniture and so on. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you that Allah Azza wa Jal in Jannah has given you the best. There is no greater blessing or greater comfort than the comfort of Jannah. There is nothing more posh or plush or, uh, you know, more amazing than what Allah Azza wa Jal has prepared for the believers in, in Jannah. And so when a person knows this, 
knows that even to that small detail, Allah has prepared for them something which is amazing and beyond imagination, then the major stuff in terms of food and palaces and the big stuff, that is for sure something which is, uh, which is, which is just as great. And that is what Ibn Abbas anhuma, he said in the tafsir of this verse that the word namariq, it means murafiq or it means majalis. These are the places of sitting. So the, the cushions, you know, as we said, amongst the Arabs, it can also be regarded as a place of sitting. So where the people gather, because they used to sit on the floor and they would have cushions and so on. You, you'll see this, you know, even until recent, like the Abbasid and Ottoman times and so on, and even in, in other places, you find that they used to have these floor sittings, which are very, very comfortable in terms of the cushions and so on that they used to have. But this is, uh, this is the general position of the scholars of tafsir, uh, from what I found, uh, as Imam Al-Tabari mentions, he mentions the statements of Ibn Abbas and Qatada and others, that the meaning of the word namariq is that it is a cushion that is being set out, a cushions that are being laid out, masfufah, meaning that they are arrayed, that they are set out, that they are set in rows. And the word masfuf comes from the word saf, just like in the Arabic language, like in the prayer, you have a saf which means a row, it is masfuf. That is the word masfuf. Baqatada said he means mabthutha. Mabthutha. Meaning, uh, as Allah mentions uh, elsewhere in the Quran, when he describes also these cushions and, and whatever he calls them, when he re- refers to them as being mabthutha, meaning that they are arrayed, that they are spread out, and that they are also in, in rows. Um, Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that the meaning of it being in rows or arrayed. He said, That they are placed in rows and that they are arrayed in such a way that wherever you wish to sit, you will find a place to sit. Wherever you want to relax, you can find a place to relax. It's not that, oh, there's only a seating area there. Or if you want to relax, you must go there. Or if you want to relax here, you must bring something here in order for you to sit on. No, everywhere that you want to go or wherever you wish to go and to find that, that is something which you will find because it is from the beauty of, of Jannah. In verse number 16, and, and we'll conclude with this verse, inshallah ta'ala, for today, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, مَبْثُوثَ And carpets that are spread. That is the translation of Professor Abdul Halim. Sahih International, carpets spread out. Mufti Taqi, carpets spread around. And Muhsin Khan, and rich carpets all spread out. The word Zarabi uh, will come on to, in, actually, the word Zarabi refers to carpets, and in the Arabic language, it is the plural of the word Zarbiya, according to a number of the scholars of Arabic language. Zarbiya. Um, Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that the word Zarbiya is essentially means carpet, but it is a carpet that is made of a very luxurious and soft type of wool that is usually colored, that is spread out and people sit upon it because of how soft and how comfortable it is. You know, sometimes you get those rugs and you get those carpets. And the meaning of carpet here means rugs, right? This is what we're referring to. Um, A rug that is extremely luxurious. You get those carpets sometimes that are made of such material and they're so comfortable. There are certain types of wool and other types of material that 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 you have that essentially when you put your foot in, it's like you sink into it. It is so soft. It is almost like a cushion or almost uh, as if there is a band to it because of how comfortable it is. That is what he says Zarbiya is. It is made of a suf, of a type of 
soft colored wool that is extremely comfortable for people to sit on. And he says that the word zarbiya originally is zarbiya with the dhal, but the Arabs changed it from a dhal to a za because it's easier for them to say the za than the dhal. And he says that it comes from, it used to come from Azerbaijan. So Azerbaijan, uh, you know, which is a country today that, that we are very familiar with in the uh, you know, the form, one of the former Soviet republics in that part of the world. He said that it comes from there. That's where the word originates from. And he says in the Arabic language, this is linguistically, obviously not the, the description of Jannah, but we're talking about the linguistic word of Zarbiya. He says it comes from the word Azerbaijan or Azerbaijan because uh, Azerbaijan in the Arabic language has been changed to a Z, so they pronounce it Azerbaijan. And so therefore, or the Dhal has been pronounced to, uh, changed to a Zai, and so it is Azerbaijan or Azerbaijan. And so he says that this is where it is said that this is the origin of the word. And that is because the type of wool is found in the goats and the sheep of that particular region. Because they are mountainous and because of the area that they reside in, they live in, there is a type of sheep and goat there that its wool is extremely soft. And from that wool, this is, these are the types of rugs that are made. Um, and he said that it is, and, you know, even to today, Persian rugs, you know, which is that general area, because when the, when the scholars say Azerbaijan and Faris, they mean that general area. Even till today, Persian carpets and rugs are still considered to be some of the best in, in the world. Um, and it's actually mentioned, you know, there's, a, there's narrations in the books of Tafsir that you will find uh, that it is said that Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu in his khilafah prayed on one of these rugs. Right? He prayed on one of these rugs. But anyway, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah al-Hassan al-Basri, Qatada, Ikrimah and others, they said that the meaning of the word Zarabi is busut, meaning rugs or carpets that are laid out for, for people. And again, this is one of those things that people look at when you go into a house, you know, when you go into a hotel, one of the first things that you see is the carpet on the floor. If you go into a hotel room and you see that the carpet's dirty, that it doesn't look very clean, that it, you don't even feel like taking your shoes off. But if you go to a place where the carpet is soft and it's clean and looks good and looks nice, you know, that's why one of the things that people focus on now, you know, in our masajid and so on, is carpets and so on. And so this is something which is, you know, natural in terms of what people look for in terms of comfort, in terms of cleanliness and hygiene and so on. And so this is zarabi, mabthuthah, meaning that they are spread out, that they are laid out. Or, ikrima said, ba'duha ala ba'd. Some of them are on top of others, meaning to make them even softer. You place some on top of others, on top of others, and so they become even more, even more soft. And uh, Mansur ibn al-Mu'tamir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, He said that the people of Jannah will re uh, recline and lie down upon these carpets and these rugs, and they will enjoy them, meaning that they will rest there, or they will relax upon them and that is what Imam al-Tabari also said that the people of Jannah will relax upon these types of uh, carpets and rugs that will be laid out upon them and they are extremely soft and extremely comfortable to sit upon and to recline upon and to lie down upon or to walk upon and Allah knows best so inshallah with that we come to the end of uh, today's lesson and so we see therefore in conclusion the beauty of the descriptions of Jannah and the level of detail that Allah Azzawajal has gone through to show the difference between what Allah Azzawajal has prepared for the people of Jannah as opposed to the descriptions that were given 
to the people of the fire. May Allah Azza wa save us from the fire and grant us all and our families and our parents and our teachers the highest levels of Jannah. Uh, if there's any questions, inshallah, we'll take them. Otherwise, we'll conclude for today. So just to repeat for those of you that uh, joined us late, um, inshallah ta'ala, next week, bi-idhnillah ta'ala, our uh, QP lessons from now on, from next week, will begin at 8 p.m. UK time. So inshallah ta'ala, 8 p.m. UK time is when we're going to now begin from next week onwards until further notice, inshallah ta'ala, until further notice. Barakallahu feekum. Okay, so if there's no questions, then inshallah ta'ala, we will conclude for today. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.